0: For everything you need to know about mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts
1: from. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long A lot can happen in three years Like a chatbot may be your new best friend But what won't change? Needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company Offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage That lasts nearly three years in some states Learn more at UH1.com
0: Tell about YouTube YouTube celebrity, mate And I was like, I'm not a celebrity, stop it If you could only watch three wrestling matches What would they be and why? This is what I'm asking some of wrestling's best, be it in the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. Joined once again on Cultaholic Island by a resident. Of Cultaholic Island. Hello. It's Jack King. How are you? Nice gentleman. I'm good. How are you? I've got hair product on my hands. I'm so sorry. That's fine. Why have you got hair product when you're wearing a hat?
2: I don't know. It's just a paradox, isn't it? I know. Crazy. Uh,
0: When this goes out, it is uh, around the Christmas time period. Yes. What's Christmas look like in Jack's house?
2: This year, it's going to be very... Uh, different to usual because my parents have just moved house. Okay. Yeah, so I'm only going to go, I'm only going to stay for like one or two nights because I'll be on the sofa (laughs)
0: otherwise. Oh, so you're not going to, you're not going to room in the new house.
2: They're doing out the house currently,
0: so no, I don't have the room. I don't have a spare room even. No. So, but you, it's always weird when your parents move out and suddenly you have a Christmas in a house that wasn't one you grew up No, it's very strange. Yeah. What's your favourite memory from previous house Christmas?
2: Oh, um, I don't know. They've always been, they've always been nice. But not like, we're, we're not a, an over-the-top Christmassy family. Just have a nice family gathering and then... Because they've we've always lived all in the same sort of area in South Tyneside. So it's not as if relatives are coming to visit from like London or somewhere. We're, we just all chill and then usually... Well, we would go round my, my grands, but this year my parents have moved out into the wilderness. How dare they? <laughs> but no, I can't think of a particularly favourite memory. They've just always been chilled, nice. Yeah, it's
0: always been good. Busy house at Christmas.
2: Again, it used to be. And then and then, uh, sort of 10 years ago, maybe, a whole branch of my family, my cousins and that, moved to Australia. So
0: Christmas has gradually been getting stripped away. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What's taking them to Australia?
2: Um, I think they just wanted to do their own thing. That my, that my auntie that moved to Australia has always been, like, the apparently the rebel of the family. She was she used to have pink hair in that world. Crazy. <laughs> um, but no. And then occasionally I'll, like, I've got my cousin on Instagram. And he's, I think, 13 now. And he'll, like, be like, how's it going? But he doesn't want to talk to me. It's like, he's obviously too cool. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. They and come I, round. I thought it would be really cool to him. I'm on YouTube. I thought for, <laughs> him, thought for his generation, he'd be like showing all his mates and that. But no, he's like, oh, yeah, how's it going?
0: Not bad. All right. If you had 30 million on TikTok. Yeah, yeah that would be, be slightly different. Be it, it might yeah. be slightly different Christmas. Um, No desires, no desire to go to Australia yourself? Well, one I'm day. not getting rid of you. I'm no, I'm intrigued as to whether that's... Uh, one day, you. I want to, yeah,
2: one day, but I think that I'd have to plan it well in advance because I don't want to just go for a week. If you've gone to Australia, you've got to go for quite a while, haven't you? So Christmas uh, yeah, there to...
0: must be really peculiar right now yeah. because it gets really hot over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We say over there because we're currently in the very cold northeast of England. I read the other day that Newcastle's
2: the coldest city in England and I thought, oh, no, and then I thought, well, why am I surprised? <laughs> we are almost in Scotland, I suppose,
0: yeah. When I moved here, I was told that the only way to become an honorary Geordie was to throw all your coats away. <laughs> Was that the tr- on a night out especially? Because yeah. like, you're not meant to wear coats on a night out in Newcastle.
2: Apparently not. Um, I'm not
0: a Geordie. I'm a sand dancer. Of course. From South Shields. yeah. This is a common misconception, I think. I think mm. that the, when you move up here that you assume everybody from the north is a Geordie. Apparently you're only
2: a Geordie if you're from Newcastle town itself. Mm. Um or like born within, there's some saying like born within a stone's throw of the Tyne or something like that. I'm not quite certain. But no, I'm a sand
0: dancer. I'm from the beach. So South Can't Shield. you tell? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Proper beach. Bro. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like in terms of like distance and stuff, like how would like that be comparable to like for people who are watching um, around the world so like the idea of it's you know it's like a, is it like a North Carolina South Carolina thing
2: no say? much closer than that so basically uh, there's the Tyne River Newcastle's on the north bank of the Tyne Gateshead's on the south bank of the Tyne and I'm from slightly further towards the coast on the south bank in an area called South Tyneside. Makes sense, south, south of mm. Tynes, the Tyneside. <laughs> Tyneside. There's a lot of famous people from South Shields. Oh, we we boss the X Factor, Tom. <laughs> we absolutely do. <laughs> Joe McEldry, two of Little Mix. Bloody Cheryl hell. Cheryl
0: from... Oh, no. She's no, she's a Geordie.
2: She's a Geordie. I Cheryl think she's Geordie. from
0: elsewhere. Mm. I want to dig into... Um, Growing up in the Northeast and stuff as we okay. go along, and man, as among many other things. Yes. But we are here uh, to talk about wrestling. So Jack, mm. we are sending you onto a desert island. Yes. And we're going to burn for you because this desert island miraculously has electricity, mm. a television, and a DVD player. Wonderful. I know it's, it's it is it is quite the dream. So we're going to burn onto a DVD your three favorite wrestling matches. Uh, Now, they don't necessarily have to be the greatest wrestling matches ever. I think a lot of people think they have to pick, like, the Shawshank Redemptions of the wrestling world, when really you don't. Mm. It's just three matches that you're happy to watch over and over again whilst you, you know, chill out on a desert island. Right. So, I'd like to ask you now, what is your first match for your DVD? My first one's one that
2: I'm quite worried that I've I've not, I must confess, I've not listened to all the episodes yet, and I'm quite worried that this is going to be quite a common pick. Okay. But I was delighted that Ross didn't pick it, I think. So I thought, right, well, that's all right. And I don't know, I don't think Matthew did either. So not awesome
0: Tanaka, isn't it? It's not awesome okay. Tanaka, don't worry. But I do
2: love their <laughs> feud. Um, no, it's uh, it's John Cena versus CM Punk from Money in the Bank 2011. Wow, okay. Mm, uh, because I love it. It's one of my favorite matches ever. I think the wrestling's really awesome, obviously. Um, but for me, it was the the storyline and the the polarization between the two figures in the match. And it was the match that got me back into wrestling fully. I'd been dipping my toes in the water a little bit, because I was a fan when I was when I was little. And then as many of us do, in my teens, I sort of lapsed and fell out of wrestling. And then uh slowly kind of crept back into it through things such as Botchamania from our good friend Matthew, who I didn't even know was from Newcastle at the time. And um and then slowly things like uh Weirdly, one of the things that got me back into it was um weird little like YouTube compilations that people had cut together of matches from Chikara because I'd never seen like indie wrestling before really and I was like oh they're dressed as like Halloween figures and stuff (laughs) this is crazy but the match that fully got me back in and thought right I've got to start paying attention again was Punk versus Cena and the whole build up I remember thinking well I've got to find out who wins this match then because at the time I think I was 16, 17 years old I was fully like CM Punk was the guy I was like he's awesome I want him to win um yeah, that's that's why I've chosen it.
0: As a as a lapsed wrestling fan, um how did obviously you're watching YouTube compilations of Botchamania, but how do you happen across that particular match?
2: Um, I think the it part of my slowly getting myself back into it before this match, part of that had been just by browsing wrestling forums, but at the time they were a total mystery to me because as wrestling fans know, there's a whole language associated with wrestling that you don't understand at first. Like, not just faces and heels and kayfabe, but things like, oh, that was a work, that was a shoot, blah, blah, blah. And um, so it was the Pipebomb promo because I remember that that sent everyone into, like, overdrive. Everyone was like, what's going on? There's never been anything like this before. Uh, Certainly not delivered, like, as eloquently and as well thought out as his promo was. And... um, because I'd slowly been getting back into it, I understood some of the references he made and then other ones he made that were a bit of a mystery to me by reading these threads and like following along. I, I like, learned more about it and kind of learned more about the whole unique, I guess, relationship fans have with specifically WWE and and how game changing this whole feud was for it and then to top it all off the match was absolutely fantastic as well
0: so was were you not uh, obviously you weren't au fait with sort of that side of wrestling when you were a fan first time
2: right? not at all no no um, I learned that it wasn't I learned that it was scripted
0: fairly early on. Can you remember how?
2: Yes, I can remember how. (laughs) I remember watching... Do you remember when Heat used to be on Channel 4 or Channel 5 or something? Channel 4, yeah. And I sat down watching it, and I think it was was definitely Kane, and he was battering someone. It may have been Kurt Angle. It was definitely Kane. And um, I remember they were doing some kind of spot where Kane, like, had him through the middle rope, and he was choking him with the middle rope. And I remember being like, "Oh no!" And I remember my dad—not in in, a—not in—I doubt—I don't think he'd imagine that I would remember this years later. But my dad just being like, "If if he was actually doing that to him, they'd have the police on him right now." (laughs) And I was just thinking like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, they would. That's not allowed. Yeah, of course not." And that's how I realized. But if anything, as I'm sure it did with you and many other people watching and listening, learning that it was scripted just made me more interested in it. Like, how do they put it together? It's not just like. It's not just a sport, it's something completely different as well.
0: A lot of people compare like just discovering that about wrestling to magic in mm. the sense that when you watch a magician's trick, when you learn how it's done, it either completely ruins the experience for you yeah. or it encourages you to find out more.
2: Yeah. And that's funny you should say that, because I'm not so much into magic these days, but around this sort of time when I first was a wrestling fan as a child, I was into magic as well. I love okay. the masked magician. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. And I liked him because he showed you how the trick was done and pen and Teller and love them and they show you how the trick's done so that makes sense
0: maybe I don't like wrestling at all. maybe I just like learning how things are done is there something like is there something about unraveling how something works that, that you particularly enjoy because one of the things that you do uh Really, really well. Here is, is you do wrestler of the week. Thank you. Which is which a which a lot of people cite is like this is where like you go for because because we all talk a lot of nonsense, here, <laughs> but that you go there. And whenever I watch, and it was genuinely one of the more daunting things I've had to do here was when they said, "Can you do wrestler of the week?" And I was like, "Oh God, I don't don't know." But then when the when I covered you for a week and you said, oh, "I'll send you through all the details," yeah, genuinely <laughs> breathed a sigh of relief because I thought I I I'm not of that. Caliber, uh, a wrestling fan uh, as you I think to be know, able to just a different type do it justice,
2: maybe. just a different type of wrestling. I think,
0: fan. I think you, I, I think you're you're a far superior one in the sense oh. that in the sense that you you have that firmer understanding of, of the of the entire world of it. Um, and and it was, but we with, but do you think there's that kind of comes a little bit from sort of your desire to unpack stuff? Maybe. Um, I think that I think that part
2: of when when we when we were part of WCPW. That was fascinating to me. Like, even even seeing, like, wrestlers, you know, calling matches to each other backstage before they went out there and stuff. And I wonder, have you had the same at North? Like, just I've, seeing how
0: it all worked. I've been fascinated by yeah. being part of that system. And, uh, and my good lady's been the same as well, where she's been backstage at the last couple of North shows. Mm. And she even says... I, I don't mind the matches. I like the bit where they're sort of miming the moves. It's like a dance. It's weird, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. It's like a weird ballet. Yeah, it is. It ain't ballet, and it's, though. And
2: if you listen to what they're saying, you can't. It's like a whole new like code of its own. It's a new language. I remember once uh, at WCPW, somebody was calling a match to Cody, or he was calling a match to them. And right next to them, because if you've got quite a small backstage area, there's just pairs of wrestlers calling matches to each other all over the place. And you've got to step around them if you're doing like some kind of running job like I often did. You've got to be like, oh, sorry, i will just get past you miming your DDT. And um, I remember the the people next to Cody, one of them just just without meaning to was running through the matches. Blah, blah, drop down, gold dust, because that's the code. for like. The, the upper... And Cody looked at him and went, like. It's a good spot. Something like that. Like, <laughs> you give like a little acknowledgement, like, "Oh, that's my brother's movie." You're nicking there, <laughs> fair enough.
0: So that's the gold dustes of the drop down and the punch. I don't know, uh, or do they
2: call uh, it the Cody now? Because he does a different one, doesn't he? He lands on like his I'd like back to think they keep they.
0: calling it the gold.
2: Dusts. I would as well. I think that feels right. I can't remember the exact vernacular that was used, but it was, mm. it was a little light-hearted moment. It was good. Mm. Yeah.
0: Where did where did Jack the Jobber come from,
2: Jack? Oh, this is a this is not an exciting story. It's very boring.
0: Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I was I know that I know that a lot of
2: people assume it's gonna jump into some kind of like oh because you're quite self-deprecating on camera and stuff, but it was honestly before I was ever on camera. Uh, a what culture Ross had set up his own work Twitter account, which is now his just his Twitter account. And likewise, I got rid of my private one that I just used at uni or whatever. Uh, a few months into you know the Twitter one kind of becoming important. Um, so Ross's was Ross on wrestling, and I thought oh alliteration, that's great. What what wrestling terms begin with a J? Jack the Jobber. That's 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 the only reason why.
0: And it's just it just stuck. Now yeah. now it's it's to the point where. I seem to remember watching WCPW and hearing Jim Ross call Jack the Jobber. That must have been peculiar. It was. I don't I don't like <laughs> You wish, grimaced then when we said I
2: that. wish that in WCPW or even when I've appeared that like in North a couple of times, I wish the people wouldn't I understand that it's far catchier than my real name, but I. I wish that people would just call me like Jack G. King or Jack King or whatever, because Jobber to me, it kind of it's a wink and a nod to like this. None of this is real. He's jobber. That's a term that we use. And I just wish that ah, oh, never mind. But oh, the JR things, yeah, that was surreal. It was surreal to hear him. I don't remember, but it
0: was all right. <laughs> Do you, so, but you're at a point now with that name where you can't really. That's that's, your, that's yeah, your name now.
2: I'm not. I'm. It's not a bad thing. It's just it's just when I've appeared on shows, mm. I wish there hadn't been because it's a bit it's a bit like calling yourself. I don't know, Ollie the Super Over dude. I don't know it's to say <laughs> Ollie the super over dude. Because if he comes out and goes I'm super over. Everyone's like, he is. <laughs> and we know that over is a term that means popular in wrestling. I don't like
0: that. But uh, but Jobber, as you say, is quite depreciating a term. Yeah, a little bit.
2: But uh, as a happy sort of accident, when I, when I first appeared on camera, all the other lads, not all the other lads because me and Ross were both terrified, but the two Adams were very... I, I st- Pachitti plays himself down a lot. I think he's fantastic on camera. He's got an incredible sense of humour. And it was the same with Adam Blompier as well. And then I jumped in there and like, a, it was almost like a counterpoint because I had no dramatic background or anything. But the easiest way to fit in with their whole repertoire and their back and forth was to be often the butt of the joke, but then people would like it on the rare occasion when I'd get one back. So I think that that just sort of was a happy accident, the correlation between the name and and I guess how it was on camera at first. Although I think
0: it's altered very slightly now. When... Um everybody moved over from from what culture to cultaholic mm. like you kind of saw you know the the it was it was sort of forced sort of, the sort the the king thing disappeared with ross yeah yeah was there was there consideration that you'd maybe change like change your twitter handle go from there because you the twitter handle still very much the same um so a lot of people people still know you as Jack the Jobber oh, on here. Yeah. And you've been referred to as Jack the Jobber on if here. If
2: there's a wrestling show on at the Academy and I walk past the queue, someone will shout Jack the Jobber on <laughs> it. <Yeah.
0: laughs>
2: <laughs> or just often just, and in a lovely
0: Geordie tone as well, just Jobber! Which is great. Which is good. To go back to, um, so you you and Ross going on camera for the first time. Mm. Um, Ross has explained a bit how it came about, but I'd like to hear how how it came about for you. Yeah. Because um, you, ad- you had the two Adams. yes. Uh, doing a lot of front-of-camera stuff, and you and Ross were writing.
2: Yes. Um, so I listened to Ross's episode of this, and it's it, he pretty much told it quite accurately. Me and him had been complaining quite a lot that these guys were having fun. They were getting paid to have fun and watch wrestling and drink, and we wanted a bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, um, it was Adam Cleary at first who I think had – no, it was Sam – privately to me said, I think you'd be good on camera. But Cleary as well described me as, when I start talking about something I like in wrestling, he said, you're like a Catherine Wheel of excitement. (laughs) And I was like, all right. (laughs) And he said that could work on camera. So me and Ross kept pushing and pushing for it. And um, eventually got a chance because Adam Pacitti was off ill. Uh, So I just sort of filled in. And and then those few months between my first, my first proper on camera appearance was the Royal Rumble 2016 reactions video. Mm -hmm. The one where AJ Styles made his debut. And um, that went well. It's, it's much easier to do a video when you've got other people to bounce off. I found that much easier than when I started having my own show, Fast Count, when I was like terrified. I was like a lamb in the headlights at first. A lamb in the headlights? It's a deer in the headlights? I, I imagine a lamb wouldn't react that well to headlights No, <laughs> true. Um, but that, in that space of time between the Royal Rumble and then going to Dallas for WrestleMania, that felt like a lifetime, like the way that it all just grew and built and built and everything. And by the, by the end... I think mean, there was no way they could really go back and say right we'll take you two off camera now because we'd just become like a little collective by that point. It wasn't just the two guys anymore.
0: Can you remember your first reactions from um fans of the channel to your videos?
2: People like me on reaction videos. Mm. So on the on the 2016 Royal Rumble reactions, I remember reading the comments because when you first started, the comments are like everything, which I've I've learned to t- to be more selective about now because mm. as we all know it can be a bit of a dangerous game. Um but yeah, the the comments, I remember people saying, like... Because I had a few little one-liners in it. I got a bit drunk beforehand. <laughs> and the... Because the, I was on a train up from somewhere, and I remember getting a few drinks on the train thinking, this is going to chill me out. And by the time I got there, I needed water before I went on. <laughs> I was like... No. Um, and I had a few little one-liners in there and stuff, and people were like, oh, he's good. like I like him. But then, as I say, once I started doing my own show, it's far more difficult. And because I was new... And clearly unconfident as well, but I think more because I was new. Got quite a lot of flack, but then Kenny got quite a lot of flack when he started, and he's fantastic on camera. He was fantastic from the jump, so I don't know how much of it had to do with my perceived lack of confidence. I think maybe more of it had to do with just he's new, and that happens across all kinds of YouTube channels. Just if you're new, you're changing the status quo, and people
0: are unwilling to give you a chance until you're established. Yeah. But how can you give someone a chance? It's a catch-22 situation. <laughs> exactly. Mm. It's but do you but you push through it and you very much maintain your own style. Mm. Um, how did it come to pass then that you got the Fast Count your own series away from doing reactions and stuff?
2: Um I can't quite remember. I think I think because Fast Count this was before all the channels did daily news and now that's very much the the best way to do it, but at the time we were just thinking of content to do. Wrestling on YouTube a few years ago wasn't as like kind of all-encompassing as it is now. Content wasn't being put out as regularly, so we're thinking, what kind of weekly shows can we do? Well, Ross had WTF moments. So I think I was was more just like... I did a few news articles on the website sometimes, so I think they were like, let's make you the news guy. Um, And then I tried to put my own little spin on it. It wasn't like the news videos we do these days because I had to jam so much in, and it was only like five to ten minutes long. It was like... Uh, I can't remember. I did like three bits of news, three takeaways from the week, maybe or something. And then towards the end, I started putting in, this is my wrestler of the week towards the end, which is where the idea for wrestlers of the week came from. But yeah, I can't quite remember, actually.
0: Well, how it came about. Yeah. Just, it was just, they went, there's something here.
2: Yeah, I can't remember whose idea it was. Maybe it was Sam's. Sam had a big hand
0: in it at the start. When um When you and Ross were away from camera and you're like, they're having fun, we want to have hmm. fun. And when they kind of called your bluff and went, All right. Yeah. Like, what was your initial reaction? Um, I didn't have time to have much of a reaction because I think that I think that
2: they asked me to come up. No, I was already on my way back. I, I remember being on the train back for that reactions video, already knowing that I was gonna be on the reactions video, but I hadn't found out many more days previously that I was gonna be on it. I think it was a last minute call to get me and Sam on that Royal Rumble one. So no, I didn't have much of a, a time to react to it, but I remember really looking forward to it. Mm. I remember f- watching their reactions videos and thinking, I can do this. And I still do. I, I don't really get nervous about reactions videos at all because I think that they're quite... It's it's easy to bounce off people. If everyone's on the same page, you can make it a really good video.
0: Yeah. Um, you were really involved in WCPW. Mm. Um, we spoke to Ross about it, and Ross uh, Ross's time there, he didn't seem to enjoy it so much because he was doing the commentary stuff and it kind of, he felt like he didn't do the job he could have done for it. Right. Him. Um, how did you find your time at WCPW?
2: Um, really invaluable. I learned so much stuff and I think that that's helped enforce how I talk about wrestling now because it also made me feel, it also makes me feel worse when I criticize people because <laughs> you see how much work goes into it. Uh, not just from the wrestlers, from like the whole crew and everything. Um, but no, it was great fun. Sometimes it was quite exhausting, like especially when we're going up and down the country and stuff. But it was so much fun, and also we got we got a chance to meet like just some incredible wrestlers like Bret Hart and Kurt Angle and stuff, which is a bit surreal to be honest. But um, no,
0: I loved it. Um, who was your favourite to to uh, me? To me, yeah. Who blew? Who? Who? I tell you what, it's that's that's too um, generic a question. Oh, who did you meet that defied your expectation? in a good way or a bad way. Oh,
2: that's a very good question. Um, somebody maybe
0: you thought was going to be difficult it turned out to be actually all right. Or the other way around. Or the other way around. Um I really struggle to think of anybody
2: who um who defied my expectations of them in the bad way. Good. Because uh that was really rare actually. I don't think I not I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. But um I think for me personally Mad Hardy was was great with me and and I'd criticized him previously and then they were like we've booked Matt Hardy and I was like oh <laughs> no um but he was great he was fantastic um you did a whole um angle
0: with him didn't you yeah he dragged me out the crowd <laughs> and bit my ear off <laughs> <laughs> how did that feel going into that knowing as you say that you'd you'd criticized him before
2: um Uh, We were on the road, and it it wasn't... We were coming from a different show to that one where Matt Hardy was first going to be there, or there'd been a bit of a journey involved. And Kenny, he was on the road with Kenny. He was doing one of Kenny's Inside the Ropes tours around the UK. And he'd said... I got a DM from Kenny just saying, like, so Matt Hardy's just called you out on stage, and I was in a car somewhere, just being like, oh, no. And then we (laughs) turned up at the venue. I remember... I saw him there, Matt Hardy, with all his wild hair and everything, but it was before the fans had all came in so he, he was just talking quite casually to, I think, Adam Pacini and as I walked past him uh, he turned and went, Ah, oh, Jack, yes! And I was like, alright, well it's probably going to be okay then, if he's just joking <laughs> around. He was a really nice guy. Uh, we rehearsed it backstage in the locker room, which was the most surreal moment of my life. There was Matt Hardy lying on top of me in the locker room and I think Bubba Ray Dudley just watching on as well and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't think I'd end up here, but all
0: right, fair enough. Um you're, there's a few moments of your of your time at WCPW that are well remembered. I think a few of them you talked about in the retrospective as yes. well. Obviously getting your ear bitten yes. by Matt Hardy. Uh, obviously you were a manager briefly?
2: Yes, I was right at the start. Yeah, I managed um Joe Hendry and Killian Dane or Big Damo, yes.
0: How was the experience of managing Because that? that would have been your first steps out into a live crowd, presumably.
2: Yeah. I wish that I'd done that later on. I wish that I'd learned more things first and then been a manager because I feel like I could have done a much better job. But
0: I still really enjoyed it, though. Mm. Yeah. And you got kicked in the face by Will Ospreay. I did, yes. Which I've, which I've talked about enough times. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is an incredible video. If you do take time to watch it, mm. I enjoy watching like how, how you... how you All we've heard from other videos, you can listen to this on the WCPW Retrospective, how yeah. good Will was, was with you. Yeah. And and just the, the way that you, you take it as well. You take it like a boss.
2: Thank you. Cheers. You really, really do. I'm proud of the of taking it. It's just the bit before and I'm twitching in one direction. You can tell <laughs> that I know it's coming. But yeah, I was quite pleased with that.
0: After WCPW, or actually maybe during it could have been, Um, you got involved with North Wrestling as well. Yes. In a, in a physical capacity. I did. Is there a desire for you to do more of that? Potentially, but
2: I don't know if I do it regularly just because mm. I'm so busy with Coldaholic. But no, I love it. Um, the the one where I ran in on Liam Slater and Primate's match to help Liam and Lobo Primate and everything, that was the one where it all clicked for me and I was finally like, yes, like I've, I've not done anything wrong there. The slap was a bit weak. But apart from that, I was like, <laughs> I was really nervous before it because I'd never had so many things to remember in sequence because wrestlers have an incredible short-term memory. I don't know how they do it. And I remember running through everything in my head, like I've got to come into the ring at this side, get the table out from under this apron and all this sort of stuff. And I remember it all It all just sort of clicked and I managed to do it all, took the spear okay, rolled out. And when I rolled out the ring, all the North faithful on that, as you stand facing the hard cam, all those regulars on the left-hand side down there started just jabbing me in the ribs and stuff. I was like, ah, get off, stop. Because I, I had to pretend not to be ticklish, essentially. I was like, no, I'm meant to be hurt. Primates just speared me. But I was. that's the one where... It's ironic that it came after WCPW, really, but that's the one where I was like, yes, Like it all came together. I feel I'm happy with that one.
0: So your second match for your DVD, uh, let's come back to uh, your Desert Island trip. We've okay. got Money in the Bank, CM Punk versus John Cena. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your second match?
2: My second one's a more, a more modern one. Um, 2017, I think, Wrestle Kingdom 11. That's Okada versus Omega in the main event because that was the first time that I remember watching a match and realizing, oh, this is something special in real time as it was unfolding. And then it was almost like I was no longer... Re- I think I I per- I think I wanted Omega to win, but it became... I just forgot about that in the sort of final third of the match. I just remember thinking, like, I hope they don't mess up. I want this to be an amazing match because it- you could just see they were hitting all the beats and it, it was the- eventually the match that broke, in inverted commas, Dave Meltzer's star system because I think he gave it six. Yeah. And everyone was like, what is this match? It's incredible. And because it was in Japan, it it kind of fell in English time on a... I think it was around sort of my lunch break, just in the day at culture. And I remember me and Sam watching it, and he sat behind me, but he was slightly on a delay during, like... We were just watching it during our lunch break on different screens. And I could hear... I'd see something. And then, like, maybe, like, one and a half minutes later, I'd hear him go, like, oh, God, and we we were both just so, like, so
0: captivated by this match it's really really good and if you haven't seen it i'd, I'd really recommend it but it is quite long how did you find that because only a few years before this that you had, you'd only just got back into wrestling mm. and uh you you've in those short years you've gone not just being a wrestling fan but you're a you're a, you're like a big japanese wrestling fan as well yeah so i'm like a, a new japan I, yeah. i'm learning
2: more about the other promotions but i'd class myself more as a new japan fan than a than a fan on the whole of japanese wrestling yeah. how did you
0: come to discover new japan
2: Um, I think the same way many people did in the past few years, just that you heard reports of these incredible matches and then you had big Western names like AJ Styles and eventually Kenny Omega, although he kind of grew to his current stature in New Japan, but AJ Styles and then you'd hear reports of this incredible guy who was a Okada, who's like basically eventually going to go down as one of the best ever, everyone seems to say. And and then it just sort of encouraged me to seek it out for myself. Uh, Sam also got into it around the same sort of time, and we lived together at the time, so it was easy just to talk
0: about it just whenever. Um, yeah. How did you come to live with Sam? Were you working together at the time as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Sam Driver. This is Sam Driver. Our i Sam so the Shreditor
2: driver. <laughs> um, I was... Uh, he just moved into... Have you met Gilly. Ross I am friend.
0: I'm familiar with
2: Gilly. yeah so we lived with him and two other people and basically they were looking for two extra tenants so Gilly was moving into this place there were two people already living there who became our friends eventually once we've moved in and they needed two extra tenants and me and Sam had become friends at War Culture and he was like he knew that I was trying I was living at home uh, with my parents at the time and he knew that I was looking to move back out and he was like oh just come along and it just was yeah it's just a, a natural thing
0: and how Sam was a housemate oh wait, no no bother at all yeah no
2: trouble i'm, I'm sorry you're not gonna get any dirt. <laughs>
0: oh it's fine what well, sam's yet to come we'll find <laughs> out
1: hey everyone i've been on the go recently phoenix kansas city chicago if you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home you have an airbnb Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either.
0: You were watching that in January of 2017, Omega and Okada. Yes. By the end of that year, you'd be a cultaholic. Mm. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. My time frame's almost, yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. Well, that year flew by, yeah. How was that, The whole that whole transition?
2: Oh, really, um, really stressful, but not, for me, quite selfishly, not scary, uh, because I, talk, I remember talking to my parents about it, and I was like, we're thinking of doing this. Like we're thinking of setting up our own thing. Um, but we're And I said something I think that must have made me seem quite hesitant. Like, oh, but what if it goes wrong? What if this happens? And I remember they, them sort of saying, well, you're, you're in your early 20s. You've not got kids. You're not married. You know that you can come and live here if it all goes wrong. So why not? And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I'm in a really fortunate position right now it will be wrong of me not to try and seize it and take full advantage of it as long as the other guys are also on board. And luckily, like, they were, some some of us, I think, I think I'm fair in saying that I was one of the more radical ones pushing for, yeah, we can do this, we can go for it. But um, none of us were really, none of us were really, uh, un- none of us were really willing to put it off any longer. We all wanted to give it a go and see how it would work. We didn't know if it would work, but fortunately it did.
0: Uh those first few weeks um even before you even had an office mm. uh i i've I've heard from other people that it was was it your room or was it uh, sam's room it was
2: uh, a combination of some videos were shot in Sam's room and some were shot on the sofa in our living room news videos I'd sit there on the sofa <laughs> and we'd have the 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 portable lights <coughs> excuse me set up yeah it was wasn't for as long people always latch on to that everyone always says oh it started in but no i think
0: it's good because i think that the one thing that it's that that i think is nice to show it's not a it's not a oh look isn't that daft it's a case of what this is now started from incredibly humble beginnings
2: which was sort of we had a we had a we had an existing fan base which was very lucky yeah that was that was very i mean it was a fan base we created ourselves but it put us in a in an advantageous position, I think.
0: But a lot of other people would have um, been at a, a company like where you were before, mm. and just said, "Look, this is this system's working. It's there's not nothing." Like I wasn't there, so I don't know the full yeah, ins and yeah. outs of it. But it's like you know, it, it still takes a, whatever the situation you're in. It still takes a lot of gusto to go. We're just gonna we're gonna break away.
2: Yeah, yeah. I suppose it did. Um, but again, I, I'm probably not the right person to ask, just because I was in. I was in the most advantageous position of everyone, I think, just from being based in the area and mm-hmm. having parents who were like, yeah, go for it, and not, ha- and as I said, not being married, not having kids, not being, not having anything tying me down. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do feel quite lucky that the, the opportunity came along at that point in my life.
0: Um, do you feel like you've learned a lot in the last two years? Oh, yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Loads. What's the biggest thing you've learned in the last two years? Oh. It may not have to be about wrestling. It can just be about... Just how it's, how it's generally even about, your, even about yourself.
2: Oh, man. Um to i guess to try and to try and uh not take things too seriously or too personally just because it's true that when somebody says something negative even if 20 people are saying something positive that's the one that you go oh it's the, which is which is wrong because you should be paying attention to the people who are supporting you and who are nice to you so I'm, that's the big thing i think i've learned that that gradually i'm learning that if someone else has a bad opinion, as long as you've not done something wrong to deserve it, if they're just being horrible, it's all right to just be like, ah, never mind. Someone else will like it.
0: You feel like in, in the last couple of years, especially, that you've sort of come to terms with that a little yeah. bit. Yeah.
2: And again, not just on YouTube, just in life, I mm. think. Yeah. It's it's a lesson that can be applied. Yeah.
0: What do you do when you're not talking about
2: wrestling? Um. Read quite a lot. I like music. I go to gigs and stuff. Uh go to the pub with the lads from, oh, from work, the, the boys.
0: Um, first, first gig you remember going to? Like the, the first gig that really like impacted you?
2: Right. It was in front of the What Culture office. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Um,
2: there used to be a festival here on the on the quayside in Newcastle called it was called Freevolution because it was free. Then it was Evolution because it wasn't free anymore. <laughs> um, and one year there was a festival, and it was the first time I went to a gig that wasn't my mates band at school. It was a proper gig. And there were two stages. One on the Newcastle side of the Quayside, one on the Gateshead side, which is today where the, where the War Culture Travis is. And ironically, just like really near the building itself, that used to be a big open space where one of the stages was. And the first band I saw were a, were a, a sign of the times. They were a band called Does It Offend You? Yeah. It was great. They're kind of, I don't know how to describe them, Dance, punk, electronica, new rave. It was the days of new rave time. We didn't know what we were doing.
0: <laughs> Why did they stick out to you?
2: Because they were the first ones uh, that I, I didn't really know much about them before then. Mm. And then it was more the, uh, the music was great, but it was more like the crowd. Like I was jumping and stuff, which these days I'm not too much a fan of because I wake up the next day like, ah. Oh. <laughs> but um, at the time, when you're indestructible, when you're like 15, <laughs> Um, nothing can go wrong. It was great. And it was a really nice day. I remember that sunny weekend. Um, and then I, and then I bought their album and, and like, luckily like the music as well, not just the live performance. So that's what they were just the first, but I do still like that album to this day. They're wrestling fans. Are they really? They've got a song called, oh, what's it called? It's on their second album, which I don't know as well. It might, it might even just be called The Wrestler. But it starts with a Paul Heyman speech. I think it's the one before Barely Legal when he's like oh, we, shouting he, at the locker room.
0: Yeah, F you, yeah, they're wrong. It F starts you, with that right. and then it transitions into like a, like a
2: <laughs> it's stupid, but it's good, it's oh,
0: good. That's, yeah. quite always, that's always quite nice when, when wrestling transitions into other pop culture things that you like. Mm. It always, you always feel like there's always like a warmth that comes from that. Yeah, here. yeah, that's my thing as well. Yeah. Uh, furthest you've ever been to a gig? First I've ever been to a gig? Furthest you've ever travelled? Um for the love of music. Again it wasn't a gig itself
2: it was a, a festival that's and it would have been geographically where am I right here? It would have either I've been to two festivals in Spain. It would have been Primavera in Barcelona. Um which was really cool. You
0: know? What was it about why did, what was it about that particular gig that went I'm going to travel all the way to Barcelona.
2: My mates were going and they got an Airbnb and they were yeah. like do you want to come? And I looked at the lineup and I thought that's an all right lineup. <laughs> it wasn't totally for me. I remember, and people are going to hate me for saying this, but I'm not. I know that some people are really into Radiohead. Are you a big Radiohead? Head? I,
0: I'm aware of Radiohead. Okay. It's stuff I like it's fine. People are allowed to like what they like. I know that there are men who have written these big
2: immersive albums and concepts and stuff, but I only know like, that I only know like, "Creep" and "Karma Police" and stuff. So they were one of the headliners, and I remember they played the songs that I knew, and they were great. "Karma Police." No alarms. What's it called? No surprises. Do, 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 do. With little bells. Vaguely
0: something. know that one. Um,
2: <laughs> they played the ones I knew. And I remember saying to my mate, when are they going to play Creep? And he was like, he's a big Radiohead fan, my mate Tom. And he was, he's also called Tom. I'm not just, no, that's just, this that's is fine. my mate Tom. <laughs> um, he was like, they're not going to play Creep. They don't do it live. And I was like, really? He was like, they don't like how it's, it overshadows their whole body of work. I was like, oh. So I went to like get a drink or something or to a different tent to check out another band just on my own. And I met up with the group later on, and they were like, they closed on Crepe, And I was like, oh, brilliant. Oh, <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. But I also saw LCD Sound System, and they're f- they one of the best bands I've ever seen. Oh, they're amazing. They were fantastic, yes. They're, there, they're a stunning live
0: yeah. group as well. Did you get time to go around Barcelona, or was it just for the gig? and then No,
2: away um, again? a little bit, but no. But luckily, I have, I'd been when I was younger a few years before that. Mm. And it's cool. Well, I like it. Nice to you say you read a lot. Mm. Not as much as I should, actually. I used to read a lot more.
0: Okay. Uh, what are you reading at the moment?
2: Um, I'm reading. Norm. Now I did English literature at uni, mm-hmm. so I was just, fiction would be what I'd normally read. But at the moment, it's not very exciting. Right. I'm reading um, the Mixer. It's called. It's a history of Premier League football tactics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> why is that? Why is that not exciting?
2: I suppose that is exciting. I just guess. Do you just compared did... to like what I've studied at uni and stuff? Uh, it kind of has made it harder to read because I got so overloaded on it. I bet if I ever stop doing this job, I wouldn't keep up with wrestling as much
0: because it's it's all encompassing, mm. isn't it? Mm. I find that like I've said this to a few people here that in my previous jo- in my previous life like wrestling was my hobby right it was my escape from everything else that was going on yeah, and now it's my work, and I realize I need a new hobby. you need to find other stuff yeah, of course yeah. um so in the mix the mixer, are you reading that right yeah. now yeah. What have you learned from The Mixer?
2: Oh, God, just just the fact in it. That's why it's not as exciting as a fiction book. You don't learn any spiritual lessons. You just learn history, which is fine. History's great, but... Tell me something you learned from it. Um,
0: and, and it's this isn't, this isn't, like, I don't want you to feel... As in, like, literally a thing that yeah, I've Yeah, I don't want you to feel cringe and awkward because uh, the fact that you you set it up by saying uh, uh, it's not very interesting. But clearly it is because you're reading it. Well, I like football.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I suppose I learn about... I, l- <laughs> I learn that a lot of the most innovative things that were done in the Premier League over the past 20-odd years were not things implemented by my team at <laughs> Sunderland oh. AFC. Because they're oh. not mentioned very much at
0: all. Oh, that's sad. I guess
2: they're mentioned sometimes in a sentence like, and then Man United gave a 5-0 spanking to, <laughs> to Sunderland AFC.
0: Is it tough being a Sunderland fan? Oh, God, especially now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and living in Newcastle, yeah. That's a that's a real mixed bag, yeah. living in Newcastle and being a Sunderland fan. rivals. That's a, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that is... Um, that's your ultimate local rival, yeah. In the northeast, really. Isn't yeah, it, it is. How did you come to be a Sunderland fan?
2: Um, I, I grew up, and my dad's a Sunderland fan, but because of the area that I'm I'm from, which is kind of equidistant between the two cities, um, my my mum's side are Sunderland, my dad's side are Newcastle, but he's like the black sheep of the family. He was a he was a Sunderland fan. He was a rebel oh. when he grew up. Um, so, uh. He, so because my dad was a Sunderland fan, I just grew up naturally becoming a Sunderland fan. He maintains that he didn't make me. He didn't say, you've got to be a Sunderland fan. You can support whoever you want. But apparently there's a story where, like, I think my godfather and my dad's mates are all Newcastle fans. They would try and bring me, like, Newcastle merch,
0: essentially. And <laughs> apparently I'd reject it and want to be a Sunderland fan. But I don't remember any of this. I don't know. There's a parental poll <clears throat> uh, with stuff like that where parents say, we don't want you to... <laughs> to do that, but we like it yeah if you we'd be to... disappointed if you weren't but. how do you like your your parents sound like they were incredible when the um cultlic thing was coming. Oh out. God yeah, yeah, absolutely how how are they with everything you do now?
2: They're a bit bewildered by it because they don't really understand hmm. YouTube, but they're um yeah, they're supportive, they're pleased with how it's going and everything. Um, neither of them are wrestling fans, so they don't quite fully understand or engage with it. But they'll watch the the odd video, and I, I think to them, it's a wonderfully northeastern thing. I think it's just like, oh, that's what our Jack's doing, and uh, a few of
0: those on the on the YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Have they ever have they ever been have they ever had a conversation? Because my my dad's done this where I've had a message or something saying, "Hey, speaking to somebody who's a wrestling fan," and I've told them you're on the internet.
2: Yeah. Um, I can't remember the most recent one, but my mum used to be a uh nhs receptionist and someone she worked with or maybe someone she was talking to someone knew that uh their child enjoyed uh, i think it was during coldaholic times or what culture i'm not sure which one but um my mom was like she's asked if you could like send him a little message or something so i
0: just sent one back I and mean, yeah it was really nice do you find that's quite a, a, a powerful thing to do
2: yeah, I've uh, discovered that,
0: and I think it's really nice that with some like I've, the amount of people that have. I think because as you said earlier, when people reach out and and say bad stuff, you latch onto it. But sometimes you will get the odd message, where you get somebody who will say, "I'm going through a bad time at the moment." Yeah, but watching your videos is
2: that's that's another going. That's another big thing I've learned actually. That that um you do you do have like this weird power on the internet to like to totally make someone's day, which is not something to be taken lightly. I get really worried that I've like missed someone's message or missed something that someone sent or missed an opportunity to... I don't want anyone to think that I'm... I've am i just looked at their message or whatever, if it's a positive one, and just thought, ah, whatever, because that's horrible. And if I really was a fan of of someone putting some sort of content out there and I send them a sort of a message, I'd think, oh, why have they ignored me? Like, what's what's wrong with me? And I don't want to make anyone feel like that. That's, that's really not a nice thing. So I get worried. I'm like, I hope I haven't missed anything. I will have missed something, <laughs> but... I try not to, but we
0: all try and read everything. I think that's. Mm. I think a lot of times when people, because a few times I've had messages when people said like, "You probably won't read this," right? Yeah, and yeah, I know, yeah. Well, we, and also you get a lot of people who shout a lot of bluster into the ether, assume, yeah. assuming that you won't read it. Mm. And then when you and I and I, I don't know whether like from years you've stopped doing this, but I have this. I always have this urge to to reply to. Those people that just come out of the woodwork and just shoot a lot of vitriol because I, because oh, weirdly for me, I kind of want to say to them, I'm, I'm, I'm a, there's a real human here yeah, that you're yeah. talking to. Yeah. You know, like if somebody just pops up and calls me a total prat. Yeah. I want to make sure. I want to go. Thanks. Why would you think that? Yeah. You know, and they, just so they know they're talking to a real person. Do you find? Uh, I think we talked a bit about negative comments and stuff, but do you find that it gets easier to ignore as time goes on?
2: Yeah, I think just from prior experience, uh, mm. whenever I've replied, I don't think I have quite the same composure that you do, <laughs> especially, if that, especially if it's something that actually has got to me and I thought, no, I need to reply to this, and then it, it, it never, for me anyway, it never really rectifies the situation, so I think it's best to just just ignore it, um, but that's just my approach. So 90% of the time now, I, I can ignore it. Yeah.
0: Unless it's nice, but it's always yeah, red, course. though. But that's the the Mm. big thing, it always gets read. Yes. I think so. Um, As well as taking uh, some cracking wrestling matches onto the island, you're also allowed to take a movie, an album, and a luxury item. Okay. So let's start with your movie. What are you taking, Jack? School of Rock, Tom. Excellent. (laughs) Yes. Okay, why School
2: of Rock? I'm not a big film buff. I've seen films and thought, wow, that's a great film, that's a great work of art. But there's also... It's like wrestling. It's a there's variety everywhere, and I think School of Rock is the most fun film I've ever seen. It's fantastic. What is it
0: about School of Rock oh. that, that, that got that, that touched you in a certain place? Tom, have you not seen it? <laughs> I, <laughs> I have right, seen right. it, but I'm just intrigued. Like um, that one stands out amongst it, others. It coincided
2: with me getting into rock as a broad spectrum music, mm-hmm. which is like which informed all my musical decisions growing up. I think when you're when you're a young, was I 12 or 13 when you're sort of that age, you're like whatever you like then often is what you'll like forever. Yeah. And just variations of that. Um, so I, I remember first seeing it around that time. And in fact, it might've been what got me into various bands that are mentioned in school of rock, but also it's just, it's got jokes and it's got a heartwarming message and they play that gig at the end. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's just uh, easily school of rock is what I'm taking.
0: Are you a Jack Black fan as well?
2: So I like him. I think he's a, I think he's a charismatic and a funny guy, but I, uh, School of Rock is easily my favourite thing that he's done. I'm not like a huge, tenacious D fan or anything, mm. but everyone likes tribute. Album. So I watched Ross's Desert Island Graps, and he chose the greatest hits, didn't he? He chose Albert Gold? He did indeed, yeah. Well, then I'm going to... I wasn't originally going to let myself choose the greatest hits, but I will do. Um, I'll choose Green Day's International Super Hits, which I remember getting from Asda in the bargain bin. <laughs> but it's but it shouldn't have been there. It's great. How old
0: were you when you got that?
2: Around that sort of time, 12, 13. Yeah. Yeah. How
0: did you, so were you a Green Day fan at that point? No, um, I I was an American
2: Idiot fan. I'd got that album for Christmas when it came out. And I thought, oh, this is crazy. This is so good. But then it was actually a very different style to what they'd previously done in their career. And International Super hits was the greatest hits of the pre-American Idiot stage. And that's got so many good songs on that, that I still really like. Basket Case. Stuff from like Dookie and Warning. Do, yeah, and Nimrod. And Nimrod. Um, It's got, yeah, When I Come Around, what a tune. It's got so many good ones.
0: Uh, Has your music changed much over the years, you find, or do you find that you sort of go back to? It's got broader. Yeah. Really like Carly Rae Jepsen's
2: Emotion album, which is a pop album, and if I'd caught myself listening to that at sort of 13, 14,
0: I'd have thought, what are you doing? Stop it. Isn't it incredible how Mm. when you're younger you're terrified to deviate yeah. from your genre. Yeah, yeah, Like it's seen as blasphemy. If you'd have said... Like you say, if you'd said that at 13, 14, they go, wow. Mm. Even now, I think. I think even now, we're, we're so much more open about everything. I think now, if I, if, if I was 13 years old and I had to go, I really love Kyrie Jepsen's Emotion album. Yeah. It's a weird... St- and, yeah, and it yeah. shouldn't be the case at no, all. Was, no. Like, geez, love what you love. Yeah. And that's it. But uh, it's... But why that album? Is it just... Is, oh. there, is it? Is there something... Is it like a mood thing um,
2: with that one? No, I don't think particularly. It's a, it's a. <laughs> it, there was me, me and my mates were. Tra- that's um, a thing that I should have mentioned that I do, but we haven't played a gig for a while. My band, American Rachel, as I oh. mentioned. But no, um, we were travelling down once to one of our yearly gigs <laughs> because we don't play very often. And um, I was like, lad, you've got to listen to this album, Carly Rae Jepsen, Emotion. Put it on, and I said, right, the first three songs on the album are all amazing but I think that the first one is probably not quite as good as the other two and they were like alright okay we'll give it a go and the first song it turns out is now my favourite song of the album <laughs> it came on and there's this like saxophone bit that just kicks off the album and we were all in the car just like oh. it was like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of half joking but half like yeah it's so good um, if, if you're a fan of the album listening along you'll know exactly what I mean <laughs> so don't worry yeah.
0: what's nice is that um you mentioned it before, my designated plan to shoehorn it in, which was American Rachel. I was going to ask oh, you yeah. if you were going to take an American Rachel album with you no. to bring us neatly on to American Rachel. We only do covers, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. Where's, the, where's the name from? Nah, no. okay, right, okay. So. Um, I remember this conversation. I remember on this Friday. conversation <laughs> as well. But I'm happy to tell it again. I think you should, because I think it's a lovely story.
2: Yeah, in a way. Um, <laughs> so, me and. My friend Tim, who is the guitarist in American Rachel, I'm the front man, naturally. Obvs. Of course. Of um, course. Were all of us there? Some members of the band were on a night out in Leeds, I believe. And I was a single gent and got chained to a, a, a girl, and she was American and called Rachel. <laughs> and um, it was going really well. I remember she was a fan of, like, maybe the New England Patriots, some American football team, and I know a little bit about him, enough to blag it. So she was really impressed with my very basic knowledge of American football, and I thought, this is going really well. And then Tim had, had gone off and got really drunk and came back from wherever he'd been and just, like le- like, classic... In a film, drunk person leaning on my shoulders, her uh, about YouTube, U- YouTube celebrity, mate. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not a celebrity. Stop it. She's like, Oh my God, what do you what what do you do on YouTube? And I was like, I talk about wrestling. Clearly, she, she's okay. I've got to go find my friends. Goodbye. And I was oh, like, oh, no. American Rachel, goodbye. She could have been the one, um, but we named the band after her, so it's okay.
0: And you never heard from her again. You never. There was no number her? exchange or Nothing. anything. No, no. If if American Rachel is watching this now. <laughs> Which, there it is. There it is there you're on the YouTube, mate. You never know. If American Rachel is watching this now, what would you like to say? Oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, it's is right. that what you'd like yeah, to yeah. say? <laughs> that's honestly, yeah, that's honestly, yeah. It's no, no biggie. It's right. <laughs> Not even if she's watching this going, oh my God, you were the one all along. I'm on a flight now. Oh, no. Like, nah, you, missed, you missed your chance, Rachel. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I love the fact that I love the fact that the band was was named in honor of American yeah, Rachel. And,
2: and we also end every song. We'd already decided that one of our songs to do was going to be Tom Petty's American Girl, so it just sort of fit the theme. And we always close on American Girl. But
0: yeah, uh, when was the last American Rachel gig, and when is the next?
2: Too one? long ago. It was it was um, over a year ago now because they cancelled the festival that we played at <laughs> annually. What was the first Badger festival? Badger Fest in rural Lincolnshire. <laughs> um it was very much a family sort of thing we were the youngest band on i think and and that's why people liked you gave it a go didn't you we were like yeah we, we rocked we went for it um and the next one we don't know when it is because that festival has been cancelled <laughs> maybe we'll play coldaholic fest if becomes <laughs> a thing
0: is there not a desire to to look up other festivals or is it just
2: no it was just mates when. doing it yeah we don't write our own songs or anything so it's not a we don't see each other as often because we live all over the place, so, yeah.
0: When, when are you planning not to, not to not to do a reunion tour or anything, but are you planning to see American Rachel again soon? I'd love to. I'd love to before, before my 20s are out. I'll set that target. I've
2: got a few years left, so hopefully.
0: How old are you?
2: 27. 27. Just turned 27, yeah.
0: Are you excited about hitting your 30s? No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Why? No, no. Because
2: I've got this weird thing and I've asked other people about it. You've met Bethany, I've asked her about it. I've met Bethany. She said something to me and I went, That's exactly how I feel as well. Um, she accidentally said that she was younger that you know, when you do the thing where you're like, oh yeah, I'm 20, whatever, and you're not, you're you're the year, it, you've just it's just been your birthday, and you've accidentally said mm. the previous year's age. And then you get, she went, I got this feeling of like, oh, how can how can I have let it get this far? And that's exactly how I feel as well. Like, it's almost my fault. That I'm that I'm not as young as I used to. Be, which is which is just totally. <laughs> you haven't just, learned to stop time yeah, yet. How dare just, you? Which just makes absolutely no sense. Uh, no <laughs> sense. No sense. But I think it says something about like the human condition. I was thinking of the word condition, as I said, sense. There
0: Confused. is is it um is it a success thing? Do you think that we get so hung up about our age? Like I no. feel like we need to be at a certain point at a certain time. Because I I've got people who are. Younger than me, I know a mm. lot of people are younger than me who like have bought a house and right. and, and, ha- and run their own business and stuff like that. Right. There's one sat out there right yes, now. There and, uh, and, and, and a lot of people, it, it really bothers, but I, I've never been of that mindset. No, me
2: neither. I don't know if I would be had I not got the job that I do now, because I didn't think that I'd be this successful by this age. Mm. Um, but I'm pleased that it's gone this way. I'm not saying that we're raking it in or anything, <laughs> but it pays the wages. And, and it's a job that's relevant to what I did at university and what I wanted to do, which which is English literature, which is kind of a link because I write things and, you know, present and stuff. Um, and for me, that was always what would have been... That was what I would have thought, oh, that'll I'll feel quite successful if I've done that, get a job that I enjoy in the field that I wanted to do it in. And, and in a weird way, sort of have, even though it's also got the wrestling aspect to it <laughs> as well.
0: And we need a luxury item from you. Um take onto the island. I know people have been taking practical things, haven't they? A lot of people are obsessed with washing their arse on the island. Ah, boring.
2: (laughs) I know! Like, there's a perfectly good ocean. Originally, I wanted to take a book, because of my background in English. It's always been my favourite subject. Did it at university. Um, But I thought, that's risky, because I could either take one that I love, and then I'd hate it by the end, because I've just read it loads. And my favourite book is Catch-22, by Joseph Heller. Um, Why that one? Because it's... really, it's really easy to read but also difficult to read at the same time so you'll, you'll be reading it and thinking that's really funny, oh that's really good, that's a good joke oh he's done a clever thing with like flashbacks there because it's all chopped up and in a different time to the, it's not linear. Um, and you think that's, and you get distracted by how clever and how funny and how uh, witty it is and it's it's very clever and very anti-war and, and very funny about the way it is. And then eventually you get to a point where you kind of in a Hemingway sort of way, you, you miss the horror aspect and then it hits you and you're like, oh God, this is horrifying. It's brilliant. It's really well done. And it's um, and it's not as sad in the end as you think it's going to be. it quite got quite a nice ending. Um,
0: but it keeps you guessing all the way
2: through. It does, but that's not my luxury. I was going to, I was going to okay. go for that, but then I thought I've read it enough times and if I have to read it any more times, I'll eventually not enjoy it as much as I do. And I thought if I take an, another book, the same thing will happen. If I take a new one that I've never read before, mm. that's a risk, it could be rubbish. So I'll just take. I'm gonna take my guitar. Just nice, like, like playing a bit of the guitar. I do. What's your favorite song to play? Mm. Ooh. the one that the one that uh, at Badger Fest when uh, oh, after we've after all the big gigs have been done on the last day. It's a two day affair, and on the Sunday night, everyone gets on the campfire. Oh, it's lovely. Everyone plays. Everyone has a little go, and the one they get me to play. Um, because they know that I won't mess it up <laughs> because some, I'm not brilliant, but I won't mess this one up because I've played it enough times. It's probably Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. And it's not even really one of my favourite songs, but it's just a nice sing-along. Everyone gets involved, you know. On a desert island, I probably wouldn't choose that one because no one's going to be joining in, but I quite like it.
0: You can, it's one that you can sort of play without thinking about it. Yeah,
2: sort of everyone gets into the Shalala bit. It's wonderful. Makes you feel like you're
0: better than you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mm. That's beautiful. Mm. Um... We've got one more match to add to your mm. um, DVD. We do. Uh, before I do, um, you're turning thirty soon, as you've said. Well, in a relative years. in three years' time. Three years' time. Yeah. 30. Um, yeah. What would you like to accomplish um, before you hit your thirties? <sighs> Ooh. that you haven't done yet. Hmm. Always like to do more of something before you get to your thirties. Oh, that's a really good question, but hmm. There's no
2: answer that immediately springs to mind. I'd quite like to. I'd quite like to have to have continued to improve as a presenter, um, and to have reached the stage where I think, or at least be on the road to uh, being like being more happy with what people say. Do you know what I mean? Not not caring as much about the bad stuff, taking the better stuff on board, and being appreciative of that. And I think gradually over the course of my twenties, I have been on that path. So hopefully it just continues. Just okay.
0: Um, when you get to your thirties, how about that? What's anything you'd like to do in your thirties?
2: Again, I don't want to. I don't want to choose something concrete and real. Do you know what I mean? Uh, because I was always rubbish at this at school. You know, when you're going to careers, and they're like, "What do you want to do?" I see you do English. Do you want to be a journalist? Blah blah blah. And I never knew what I wanted to do, so this job like like perfect because it's something that didn't exist when I thought about what I wanted to do, and I really enjoy it. What, so. what, what did exist when you were doing uh, journalism that sort of thing. was a thing I was thinking about. Yeah, um, I know Ross is the same. Um, uh, I used to want to be an author, but I don't know if I do anymore. Um, but that used to be the thing when I was a kid. I to, oh, I want to write a book, but first I think if I was to write a book, I think I'd do that much later in life, more experience, more things to talk about. Would
0: you write a book on wrestling?
2: Yeah, but if I did that, I'd write one also not on wrestling, yeah. <laughs> just to give myself a little break from that, yeah. I get that, yeah. I get that, okay. So, Sorry for... Ca- I wasn't trying to dodge the question. I just didn't no, have an answer. No, yet. no, not at all, not at all, not I'm, at all. Not it's a tough, of,
0: one to, tough one to throw at somebody.
2: I'm just not much of a planner as well. I just like how things are going. I'm trying to keep it the same. Just keeping loose and fast.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's how you've lived your 20s and you... Yeah. On, long may it remain. Thank you. Nice. Uh, your third and final match of your DVD, sir. I had to check what this was before I came in. Um,
2: I know the match, but I had to check when it was from. Mm. So it's from the August 10th, I believe, 2000 SmackDown That's when it was broadcast, Okay, It's a hardcore championship match between Steve Blackman and Albert, and it lasts about
0: three minutes, and it's the best. What is it? Okay, let's unpack this bad boy. Um, Okay, where were you when you watched it for the first time? Um, Probably in my parents' house. I was about... Well, how old
2: was I in 2000? I would have been seven. or Yeah, at that time of year, I would have been seven. Um, So it was when I was... New, a, newly rest, a new wrestling fan and um, to me that match just uh, takes me back to away from all of the analysing how good this wrestler is and how good this match is and is it well paced and all the all the things that I have to think about now that match if I watch it always reminds me of just the the, the very baseline of being a wrestling fan it's just how does it make you feel and is it cool <laughs> because Steve Blackman's always been like my guy love Steve Blackman because of when I first got into it he was the one that I related to most, I just love Steve Blackman.
0: You related to the Lethal Weapons, Steve Blackman? Yes,
2: I did jiu-jitsu when I was a child. Ah, and, okay. and he was the martial arts boy coming out and doing all his stuff. And I remember thinking, oh, he's, uh, I, re- I relate to that. Even though <laughs> he was like also shooting fire extinguishers at people and everything.
0: So how old would you have been when you were, you, you were Steve Blackmaning at jiu-jitsu? <laughs> I did jiu-jitsu from the
2: ages of uh, 6 to 12, I think for quite a long time, it was like my main thing for a while.
0: Was that something that that, that, that feels like at that age, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, no, that, but, um, was, that age, it feels like something like your parents would have wanted you to do? I wanted to do it. Or was it. it more a case of mom, dad, take me to this I on wanted, a Saturday morning?
2: I knew that I wanted to do a martial art, and I can't remember why I wanted to. It's way too young to remember why. But I remember wanting to, um, and I think jiu-jitsu was... There was various other ones in my hometown, like karate and stuff, but I realized this later on in life. Jiu-Jitsu was the one, or at least that Jiu-Jitsu club, was the one that taught you, like, a wide variety of stuff. So it wasn't like pure Jiu-Jitsu, which is a lot of grappling and submissions and stuff. It was, um, the first few years of it were basically judo, throwing mm-hmm. and self-defense and all Well, it's all self-defense, but yeah, no, I wanted to do it. They were just quite pleased about it. They were like, oh, well, he can defend himself if that's all right. Um... Don't know, how, don't know how useful it was looking back. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I'm glad that I've not had to really put it to the test. That's probably a good thing. What made you stop? Um, I got into basketball. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really love basketball. It's the one sport that I think I'm good at. Um, that was the one that, because I'm, I'm average at football. Um, played a bit of rugby at school and I'm all right. And then every other sport, like I'm useless with a racket. I can't do tennis to save my life. But basketball is the one that, it kinda gets anyone who's really into basketball will know it kinda gets in your blood and you love it and you become a little bit obsessed with it. I did that in my teens up until I left uni. Yeah. Do you still play a bit of basketball? Not as often as I'd like to. Um no, I haven't really played much since I left uni actually. And it's the sort of thing where if I got a ball now and just shot at a basket, it would probably miss wildly. You've got to be in you've got to be in tune with it to, to play you've got to be dialed in, as they say. Yeah.
0: Any other sports that you'd like to do that you haven't done or tried yet? No, I'm all right.
2: Maybe a a bit more surfing. I've been surfing maybe twice or three times in my life, and it seems like the sort of thing that once you get it, it's the most fun thing in the world, but it seems really hard to get there. I've just been on the cusp of, like, when you stand up and you're like, oh, this is amazing, you realize the wave's already stopped and you're like well this isn't very impressive at all <laughs> but if but you get the little feeling of the surge of the wave you think this if you, if you nail this this is going to be the, the most amazing thing ever so maybe a bit more of that yeah
0: okay, okay. Yeah. Um, to go back to um, your, your jiu-jitsu leader Steve Blackman yes um, my sensei, your, Steve sensei Steve Black- <laughs> Black- the, your sensei Steve Blackman your sensei Steve Blackman so was it was it because of this jiu-jitsu background that you had that connected you with this match do you think um, was this the first Steve Blackman match you saw Probably. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think so. I think it was probably one of the first wrestling matches I saw. Wow. Uh, But it was the first wrestling match I saw where I was like, this is brilliant. And what happens in the match, all that happens is it's got all the classic tropes. There's a big heel and a smaller baby face, who at the time I thought was a normal size bloke. But looking back, Steve Blackman's huge. Mm. But um, Albert's just terrified of him. 'Cause he's got he's got his little sticks and he's got the kendo stick and everything. So Albert gets a weapon, Steve Blackman's got a weapon, and Albert goes, Right, you put yours down, I'll put mine down and Steve Blackman's like, Right, okay. They both lower them slowly. Obviously Albert cheats and goes to hit him with his. But Steve Blackman's he knows he's quick and he's <laughs> kept hold of his and he just starts like lighting him up with these little sticks. And there's a fire extinguisher and it's ah <laughs> It's just stupid but it's brilliant. Trish Stratus is very disappointed at ringside. <laughs> 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 she did not know she didn't think her
0: boy was going to get dealt with like <laughs> that by Steve. What I love is when a match sort of encapsulates you like that, you almost remember it step for step.
2: Yeah, I watched it back recently when I thought of when you asked me to do this. I thought I'm going to watch that. I haven't watched that for a few years and the amount of little sequences that
0: I could still remember was scary. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I must have been a bit obsessed with this as a child." There's mm. something about when you watch wrestling as a kid. Like everyone, uh, I think the the common misconception, I, and I don't know whether you agree, it's a common misconception. In fact, I'll just ask you okay. outright: um, Was wrestling better back in the day? Uh,
2: yes, in a different way, and no, in another way. It's not. It's not an easy question to answer, is it? No. It had more energy and popularity behind it. Definitely, it was like it was like more in the zeitgeist, wasn't it? It was more the thing. But today, there's way more variety, and the there's more good wrestlers out there. Loads of wrestlers these days are unbelievable. Whereas back in the day, certainly in Western wrestling, I mean, everything's on a higher level now. But, um, but it doesn't have quite the same spark that it did, which is why I find AEW so exciting, because it's the thing that
0: seems most likely to give it that spark again, I think. Yeah. And So your job now is you get to watch that every week as well? Which I'm fun. enjoying it. I like a bit of AEW, yeah. What's, what's, what have you enjoyed the most about AEW so far?
2: Um, the The promos have been unbelievable from Jericho and Cody and MJF. Mm. And it, it does take it back to that era um, where it's got that kind of electricity about it.
0: Yeah, I'm enjoying that so a lot. As soon as Steve Plackman turns up. <laughs> yeah, <that's what laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the dream, it's the dream. Yeah. Um Jack, this has been wonderful. Thank really, you very much. No, no, thank you. Um Anything you want to shout about or plug, obviously people know who you are. Um, uh... <laughs> yeah. For upcoming um, dates <laughs> I don't know Patreon for indie bookings I don't know <laughs> what do the wrestlers do
2: shout sure, out there's a lot of things I could shout out um, give some love to clothesline I'll give some love to clothesline clothes of course at get clotheslined on social media thank you for the t-shirt um, My mate, I mentioned him earlier I've given us so many plugs in this my mate Gillies' band Home yes. Truths at Home Truths Music I believe they are um
0: where, was, where can we find uh, American Rachel online? No, you're not allowed. <laughs> what? <laughs> We've not recorded anything. Is there nothing that exists online, that, not like, even a fun logo? Well, oh, no, mm. there, there is a logo. There is a logo because Sam made it, and it's on my desk on graded.
2: <laughs> it's a little Easter egg for
0: everyone. What I love about the desks, that, and Sam and, and Sam is the guy, and I'm excited to get Sam on here to talk about more stuff like this, but like, the, like Sam designed all our desks for the graded videos, yes. and they are loaded with Easter eggs. Yes, they are. Yes, uh, wonderful. when I was talking about
2: basketball, actually, I was going to shout out um, Mike. If you're in Newcastle and you love chicken, check out Coop. It's the best oh, chicken restaurant in Newcastle. Oh, nice. Um, it's almost become the Ribera Steakhouse because wrestlers love it when they come to Newcastle. <laughs> um, but Mike, Mike, um, it turns out we know a lot of the same people from our teens. We never met each other, but we know a lot of the same basketball players. So I was going to throw him in. Then we moved on, but I'll give his restaurant a shout Do out now. Coop Chicken.
0: Mike like Coop. ask for Mike they give you like a massive plate of chicken wings. it's nice chicken as well isn't it yeah and it's you're brilliant. there for days eating it mm. it's, it's, it's joyous it's joyous it really is I think, it's, I think it's only appropriate that we end our chat on chicken I can't think of anything better that's <laughs> perfect Yeah, it's been an honour thank, thank you, and, thank you. And, and Merry Christmas Merry Christmas to you as well there'll be a lot of celebrating no doubt going on in your house and mine still around this time yes. actually no this is coming out around about that time when everybody's starting to get a bit sick of each other okay and so I hope you're alright <laughs>